Good morning, guys. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. We are changing our method of coming to you this morning. Uh, we are Zooming uh, because we've had some problems with some of the other venues, and we'll continue to switch back and forth as uh, Jeff sees fit. Uh, Jeff Cook is, is responsible for putting our meetings together and doing the technical part of it. Uh, he and Jeff and Jeff do that each week. Uh, thanks to Chris also for getting our handout uh, prepared each week. Guys, uh, I've said before, if I'd known Phil was going to lead us into the wilderness and we were going to stay this long, I, I might have opted for another subject or deferred to something else. But um, who in the world would have known that we'd be in the wilderness this long and then go through into, into a time of uh, a federal election this week and not really know who our president-elect is going to be because of uh, things that are going on in uncertain areas uh, in the country. Man, are we ever in the wilderness. I think I woke up yesterday morning uh, with a uh, election coverage hangover. My head hurts so bad. Uh, I just stumbled around most of the day yesterday just trying to go through the motions of, of being at work and, and doing the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing. And then yesterday afternoon, it had someone that uh, sent me a message uh, that just reminded me of what I've known all along, but just got distracted by the worldly things. God's still in control. He's still in charge. And he's still here. He has not left us. He is in the wilderness with us. And as I was driving to my office this morning, uh, getting ready, uh, a couple songs came in uh, over the radio. And one of those was, was uh, turning your face directly to God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And the other one was Lazarus rising up. Where are you this morning? I know you're in the wilderness. We're all in the wilderness. But where are you this morning as we start off again in the mini series of seven men in the wilderness. Phil will be joining us shortly uh, from Fairhope. I'm glad that you're tuning in this morning. And if you're following up uh, on the recorded message later, as I've heard from several of you that are doing that and opting in that way, I'm glad you're here. Connect with a brother, stay in touch. We all need it. Let me help us with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for this medium source that we have of being able to get together. Thank you so much for Jeff and Jeff and them working in the technical pieces of trying to get us all together. Lord, I thank you for Chris, our brother who prepares our handout each week so diligently. I thank you for Phil and his preparedness. God, most of all, I thank you for the men that are tuning in. And I thank you that you're in charge. Comfort us this morning. Allow us to lean on you. Take us by the hand. Walk us along the sandy beach. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Am I on, Jeff? Can you hear me? I can. I can. All right. Very good. Very good. All right. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, greetings from uh, Fairhope. Um, I am on my patio and we actually have the fire going this morning. Uh, it is a beautiful morning in uh, Fairhope, and uh, I'm I am glad, uh, especially glad um, to be here with you this morning. I I so love um, our times together, 
and dearly, dearly miss uh, being uh, in the ceasefire training room. Grateful for ceasefire and look forward to, to getting back there um, at some time um, in the near future. But uh, glad you're here. And I want to offer you a song this morning. Uh, music is such an important part of how God has intended to uh, awaken our heart, soothe our heart, teach us and direct us. And um, I am grateful for my good friend, Bert Everett. And uh, Bert is the one who um, uh, turned me on to this song in, in uh, our uh, series. I've heard this song before, but it's been a long time. And it's by Don Williams. Lord, I hope this day is good. Um, is that not the title of the song that we, uh, 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 or, or the watchword that we all want to uh, be able to claim? Let me read just a portion of this. Lord, I hope this day is good. I'm feeling empty and misunderstood. I should be thankful, Lord. I know I should, but Lord, I hope this day is good. Lord, have you forgotten me? I've been praying to you faithfully. I'm, I'm not saying I'm a righteous man, but Lord, I hope you understand. I don't need fortune and I don't need fame. Send down the thunders and Lord, send down the rain. But when you're planning just how it will be, plan a good day for me. Lord, I hope this day is good. I'm feeling empty and misunderstood. I should be thankful, Lord. I know I should, but Lord, I hope this day is good. And it goes on. May you hear the voice of God and may he open our hearts to what he has this morning.
Am I good to go, Jeff? Or... Yep. Yep. All right. Good. Very good. Okay. All right. Well, gentlemen, I hope that song warms your heart as much as my backside is warmed by this fire. How about that? Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Act like a man. Uh, let's pursue that. Let's figure it out. Uh, follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph, Into the Wilderness, Understanding and Embracing the Dark Times of Life. Words translated as wilderness occur nearly 300 times in the Bible. I think we're, we're almost there, guys. We're going to get to all 300 of those. Wilderness seasons are brutal, but God is powerfully at work in the wilderness seasons of our lives. The only question is, do we have eyes to see it? In order for God to give us the choice whether or not to trust him, he must bring us, he, he must present us with a moment of crisis. And since he wants us to seek help from him, he brings us through the wilderness to remove all other help first. Challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge. 2020, what a year. When we're in a wilderness season, it's easy to lose sight of God's protection, provision, and preparation. We might even wonder, how can I trust God's goodness when I'm in this desolate place? But remember Jesus. He went through the ultimate wilderness, the desolation and humiliation of dying under the curse of God. If that is the measure of God's love and commitment to us, we can trust him in our own wilderness seasons. Let's journey together. So gentlemen, this morning, uh, we continue um, into the wilderness. And um, we're looking at uh, seven men, and today we're looking at a father. And that's all, that's all we know in terms of a name. Um, in Scripture, he's not given a specific name. He's a father. Those of us who are privileged enough uh, to be fathers, this story could be you, could be me, easily. A father with a sick son. And, you know, certainly um, all of us would say, especially at this season in my life, um, when our children are good, we're good. That's, that's really all I want. And when our children are hurting, uh, it's disruptive. A whole lot more than pandemic or elections or 
you know, whatever. I want my children to be good. And this father is such a great reminder of what love really looks like. So I want you to pick up your pen and let's go to work. And I have three questions for you. So the question I would ask you and in, in, in to write in your journal, just a couple sentences, what is troubling you? Where's the suffering in your life? What is troubling you right now? Now, in accordance with the passage that we're going to read here in just a minute, I would ask that same question like this. Where are the demons in your life? Where's the demons? And, um, you know, uh, I would hope uh, that you don't feel like you're literally demon-possessed. Um, I've done a lot uh, of work uh, and I've, in, in, um, in trying to help people. Um, to my knowledge, I've never met anybody who was demon-possessed. Uh, but I've met some broken, 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 broken people, whether we're at deer camp, sitting around the fire there, or in my counseling office. Where are the demons in your life? Acknowledge that. Where, where am I being stretched? Where am I being challenged? And we all are. The, and, and we would just put demons in quotes, you know. Uh, where's the demons in your life? Second question, how hard is setting boundaries for you? How strong is your no muscle? And I would say the reason I asked that question about boundaries is because as we study this morning, this father, I'm going to suggest to you that the demon oftentimes is not a literal demon um, in the way of a satanic um, invasion into a person's life. But oftentimes the, the demon that I see is a need to set boundaries. So how hard is setting boundaries for you? And really what a boundary is, is my ability to say yes and no well. I say yes to good, and I say no to bad. Assess yourself this morning. How well do you set boundaries? Some of you don't set boundaries at all. I mean, you, you are pleasers. You are codependents. Uh, your no muscle is broken. Uh, some of you set boundaries way too harsh. Somebody asks you something and you go, no, no. You know, it's like uh, you're more reactionary than in control. Um, how does boundaries work for you? And then third and finally, who do you know that's in the wilderness? It's that guy I shaved this morning. That's who's in the wilderness. Me and you. We all are um, in a certain sense. So let's dig in. A father. So this morning, the passage that we look at um, is a father. And we want to learn the lessons from this father. So open up your uh, Bible. Follow along on the screen uh, if you choose. Uh, Jeff will throw that up, and let's dig in to Mark chapter 9. Mark is such a fun um, gospel um, out of the four because, man, Mark, uh, he's on the way 
to the destination of making sure that we understand the passion of God to save us. And he's not one for flowery language, for wasting time. He's on his way to the destination to make sure that we understand quickly um, and precisely that God is passionate about saving us. And so in that context, we pick up in chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, verse 14. When they came back down the mountain to the other disciples, they saw a huge crowd around them and the religion scholars cross-examining them. As soon as the people in the crowd saw Jesus, admiring excitement stirred them. They ran and greeted him. And he asked, what's going on? What's all the commotion? A man out of the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my mute son made speechless by a demon to you. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and goes stiff as a board. I told your disciples, hoping they could deliver him, but they couldn't. I mean, let's just stop for a minute. You're a father, and you have a son that is experiencing those kind of symptoms. Now, I hope there's nobody listening today that's actually had that literal experience. Although I sat um, with a, uh, a man who had a seizure uh, and fell in his backyard. He barely missed the sidewalk, but he face planted into the grass um, and was completely out. And his wife uh, found him, blood running out of his mouth, and she is completely scared to death. She's trying to keep the kids away from that part of the house so they don't see their daddy uh, in that kind of condition. She was petrified um, and had to get him in the car and take him to the ER. Having our children in pain, whether it be cancer, uh, a physical condition like that, or just a circumstance or a relationship. Um, it's a troubling time. We can feel the hurt and the concern of this father over his son. So Jesus said in verse 19, what a generation, no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy here. They brought him. And when the demon saw Jesus, now this is interesting, when the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to wither on the ground and foam at the mouth. Wow. Again, can you imagine the father standing there watching this? And he asked the boy's father, how long has this been going on? How long? Ever since he was a little boy, Many times it pitches him into fire or the river to do away with him. If you can do anything, do it. Have a heart and help us. If you can. If you can. Wow. Jesus is already somewhat frustrated by the lack of faith of the disciples. 
unable to heal this father's son. And then he hears from the father, if you can, listen to this in verse 23. And Jesus said, if, there are no ifs among believers, anything can happen. I love that. There are no ifs. Now, in a, in a certain sense, uh, we talk a lot about imagination. And imagination um, is a way to talk about faith that what we have to do is we close our eyes and we begin to imagine what God might do if we trusted him. Imagination. It's just another way to express the idea of faith. And oftentimes when we talk about imagination, I invite those that I'm talking to to just play the what if game. What if? What if God had put this person, this circumstance in your life in order to reveal himself to you. What if? So Jesus is saying in another way to look at the word if, if there are no ifs in the sense of what God can do. God can do anything. So verse 24, no sooner were the words out of his mouth and the father cried, then I believe Help me with my doubts. When Jesus assured him that his son could be healed, anything was possible, then the father, the father. And, and, you know, as I use my imagination to recreate this scene, I imagine this father just dropping to his knees and crying out, I do believe. Help my unbelief is what your study Bible literally says. Obviously, I'm reading from the message. He says, I do believe, I do believe. And again, in my mind, he's on his knees looking up at Jesus. I do believe. Seeing that the crowd was forming fast, Jesus gave the vile spirit its marching orders. Dumb and deaf spirit, I command you out of him and stay out screaming and with much thrashing about it left and the boy was pale as a corpse so people started saying he's dead but Jesus taking his hand raised him and the boy stood up wow Steven Spielberg needs to shoot that scene at that point the drama the excitement the healing and he answered after arriving back home, his disciples cornered Jesus and asked, why couldn't we throw the demon out? Great men ask great questions. A whole series we did a couple of years ago. It's a great question. Jesus, why couldn't we? And Jesus says this. He answered, there's no way to get rid of this kind of demon except by prayer. Except by prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is an intimate encounter with the living God. You can't do this on your own power. You don't have that kind of power. Hello, my name is Phil, and I am broken, and I need help. Kind of the mantra of AA. Better yet, the mantra of a Jesus follower. I need help. I need to have a daily, intimate 
moment-by-moment uh, moment encounter with the living God. Uh, prayer uh, daily. Pray without ceasing. Leaving there, they went through Galilee. He didn't want anyone to know their whereabouts, for he wanted to teach his disciples. He told them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed to some people who want nothing to do with God. They will murder him. Three days after his murder, he will rise al uh, alive. They didn't know what he was talking about, but were afraid to ask him about it. Wow. Strange language that he would be killed. And he didn't want anybody um, uh, talking about it prematurely because if that had to happen, we wouldn't have Easter in April. We'd have Easter in September. And, you know, Easter in September just doesn't work. Just kidding. But it's the idea that everything was on a timetable. And it's like Jesus was saying, follow the pattern. Trust me. This is all an orderly plan by God. Guys, this father um, is such a beautiful reminder, first of all, of just love. A father's love, um, God's love for us, a father's love for a son, our love for our children. Um, and in, in this incredible need, the father says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Well, there, there is no more important characteristic in our life as humility. Uh, humility is the foundation for all other character. And it's like this father, he believes, he trusts God. And at the same time, he says, help my unbelief. And Jesus responds with grace to this wrestling match and brings healing to his son. Wow. A father's love. Um, just this week, in light of circumstances going on nationally, um, Audrey, my oldest daughter, she calls me. And she's crying, and she says, Daddy, I'm scared and I'm worried about what's going on in our country. And, you know, it hurt my heart uh, to hear her just being fearful. And I said, sweetheart, you know, God is in charge, and we're going to continue to trust God. Just trust God. Walk with God. And we just talked that through, and by the end of the conversation, her belief was restored. Um, and I was anchored more securely in my love for her um, and in trusting God to take care of her and us. In, in, this, in this story of a father's love is this idea of power. There is not a day that you and I awake, Lord, give me a good day, that we don't need power. And this father reminds us once again that he needed power beyond his own. Today, even today, November the 5th, it's too much for me. I can't do this. Today is impossible for me to live. I need a power beyond my own. No Christian would ever say that absolute dependence on Jesus is optional. However, 
it is nonetheless easy even for believers to go through their day as if they can do so under their own power. Guys, that's a trap. Don't do that. I need to be empowered. I need help. I want you to turn over to John chapter 15. And of course, those of you who have been to deer camp, uh, and we've got deer camp coming up next weekend. If you're not signed up, either as an alumni or a new guy, sign up. There's still room. Um, by the way, we got a big load of firewood. Thanks to Ricky Davis and Dobby and Jack Page. Thank you guys for bringing us firewood yesterday. Um, but John 15 is part of how we always end our time on Sunday as we sit in the circle. Uh, John 15 is just one of those critical passages uh, that you've got to study. You need to understand and rewrite it, uh, especially uh, the first eight verses. Um, take time and rewrite it as if it is a uh, a personal conversation uh, to you by Jesus. And he says this, Jesus is speaking here in verse five. He says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me, when you're joined with me, and I with you, and I love this, the relation intimate and organic, not religious and moralistic and rigid, but intimate and organic, that it just comes out of a heart um, that you have because of what God has done in you. You've experienced his grace and his forgiveness in such a way that there is a longing for more of him. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Get this, separated, separated, you can't produce a thing. Oh, yes, I can. I got this. No, you don't got this. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown in the bonfire. But if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. There's fruit. So again, I need to be empowered, and, and if I'm not tied into the vine, uh, if I'm not relying on Jesus, I'm like dead wood. I'm just walking around in a circle. I think I'm getting someplace, but I'm getting nowhere. And then finally, once again, in this story of the Father, we are taught this idea of intimacy and how critical it is. Now again, um, the idea of intimacy comes out of prayer, and, and as I've often said in, 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 in my just way of thinking, in some ways, I think we ought to just drop the word prayer altogether because it, 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 it is oftentimes, sometimes, just a, uh, an exercise in religious activity. Uh, everybody prays. Uh, I mean, people who are just godless, uh, from my opinion— They'll pray. Anybody can pray. But what prayer really means is an intimate connection and encounter with the living God. Let's bow our head 
and let's have a moment of intimacy with God. That's what prayer is intended to be. And when the disciples said, like, why, why we couldn't do this, God basically, Jesus is basically saying, because you guys are not intimately connected to God. He's, he wasn't saying, well, your prayer life wasn't good, so be more religious, pray more, pray harder. I always love that term. And what does that mean? Pray harder. Ugh, pray harder. Ugh. It's like, just have an intimate encounter with the living God. The Father, his love being empowered by Jesus in intimacy, man, gives us such a great idea of how to handle the wilderness. As we're in the season of wilderness, man, I need, I need love. I need a father's love. And thank you, God, for being my father. Uh, I need to be empowered every day. I, can't, I cannot do today. Lord, give me a good day. As Don Williams sings, means that I'm going to be empowered by him. And then thirdly, it's like, I want to be known and understood uh, by God. Intimacy, 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 that I would be known by the living God and I would know him, intimacy. Now, the lessons are relative to the demons. The idea of demon was was what was uh, upsetting the father and was potentially going to kill and had tried to kill the son. I want to suggest to you again, I you know, as I said, I, I, I would I would assume that uh no one who is listening to in in, in tuned in with us today is demon possessed, although although some of your wives might differ with me. Um or that you've even experienced somebody demon possessed, but I would I would suggest to understand this in in one sense as a metaphor. What are what are the demons that we deal with? And so the lessons um, is that we do have demons. We have things that uh, control our lives. Demons like control freaks, manipulators, irresponsible volume of work, or personal life demands that derail you in every other person or circumstance that we allow to have control over our lives. This, this would be an issue of boundaries. This would be demons in our life. It would be things like fear. Um, man, I, I said, uh, with a person this week that they are so fearful of the pandemic and that their whole life, um, is being controlled by fear that their children, that themselves, that their parents, elderly parents are, are, are going to get the pandemic. And certainly, I mean, it's real. I mean, people are getting sick. Some some uh, that are watching now have have uh, po uh, tested positive. But to be controlled by the fear of it 
in many ways is worse than the pandemic itself. So fear is like a demon or, or addictions, your failures um, that result in shame. And again, I sat with a young guy uh, this week who had uh, betrayed his wife, acted out um, in an, uh, infidelity and adultery, and he's having a difficult time restoring the relationship with his wife, not because she's unwilling to forgive him. She's quite willing to do that. But he has such shame that he believes that she is going to leave him and that she should leave him. And it's like the voice of shame. I, it's like it's palatable. I feel it. I can see it. I see the demon, if you will, of shame in his life. And he cannot receive his wife's forgiveness. Demons. And so what we need to do is set boundaries. And that's part of what Jesus was even saying to the disciples. It's like, don't let, don't let these demons control this young boy. Cast out the demons. Set boundaries. And, and again, a boundary is a personal property line or a limit that defines where you end and someone else begins. It's like a, a fence around your house. There's a property line, and you're in control of what goes on there, who is allowed to visit, and on and on. In short, you have control. Now, I liken it to this. Boundaries are like you have rocking chairs on your front porch. And sometimes you invite people to sit in the rocking chair, but you don't want somebody coming up and sitting in your uh, rocking chair. I don't want to walk out in the morning on my front porch and see some strange person sitting in my rocking chair. I would like to be in charge of who sits in my rocking chairs, and certainly I don't want somebody stealing my rocking chair. Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Go ahead and take my rocking chair. No, it matters. I like my rocking chair I want to keep my rocking chair. And so it's the idea of setting boundaries, the ability to dictate who sits on your front porch. And oftentimes, these boundaries, we uh, are these demons, we create or we allow. It's like when we're creating them, I would just call that sabotage. Rather than set a boundary, you're, you're creating uh, this demon in your life. I would go back to, the, to uh, the illustration that I was saying about my friend. I mean, he is sabotaging his marriage because of the shame. He's creating a scenario in his own head. And if he just said, no, I'm, I'm not going to give in to my shame. And what I've got to do is I've got to receive forgiveness and really believe that my wife will forgive me. Or we allow things in, in our life by not saying no. You know, you're miserable because you've not said no to people that you need to set a boundary with. And so the idea there of setting boundaries is taking ownership of our life. And I would, I would invite you to look through these questions. Own the reality that most of the time you're creating or allowing this scenario and ask yourself a few questions. Five questions. 
What are the main things that I want personally and professionally? Now, these are journal questions. I would, I would strongly invite you to write these in your journal and, and, and take some time to work through this. What do you want? We always start with that. That's the second question in the three that we use at Deer Camp. What do you want? Number two, what are the specific activities or time and energy that must occur for these to be realized, okay? What's it gonna take to realize your desires? And then thirdly, when specifically will I do these, okay? When are you gonna do it, you know? I'm gonna do it daily, I'm gonna do it today. Uh, get started. Number four, what or whom do I need to say no to in order to, for number three to happen? And, and again, you may need to start hanging out with better people. Stop hanging out with people who are robbing you of the very desires that you wanna pursue. And then finally, what misbehavior or non-performance by others must be stopped for my priorities to be uh, reached? Again, you've got to set a boundary. The demons that control you are oftentimes the result of not setting boundaries. Now, I want to show you a clip um, that I would I would strongly encourage you both with a movie and a book and a chapter. Uh, this series, again, I'm, I'm uh, I've been inspired by Eric Metaxas' book Seven Men, and the uh, the the man uh, of the seven that we're looking at today that I want to expose you to somebody that you all know, uh, Jackie Robertson, uh, the first Afro uh, 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 American. Uh, baseball player to be um, brought into the major leagues. Wow, what an incredible godly man who had to set boundaries and not allow the demons to control him or to be uh, 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 to have uh, authority over his life. You should watch this, Eric Metaxas, as he introduces us to Jackie Robertson. Well, the fifth man in my book, Seven Men and the Secret of Their Greatness, which is about seven men, uh, is Jackie Robinson. I think you can guess from the, the picture. Uh, the big secret about every one of the men in this book is that uh, they're all Canadian. I, I just can't lie. I, every time I say that, uh, my conscience, uh, <clears throat> that's not true. But in the case of Jackie Robinson, actually, what started uh, the process of making him a historic figure happened right here in Canada, where I'm talking to you right now, in Montreal, actually. This is the man, in case you don't know his story, maybe you didn't see the movie 42, and you need to see it. Uh, he's the man who did one of the most important things in America, in the United States, in the 20th century. That is, he really broke open the whole civil rights issue in 1946 and 1947 when he became the first man to break the so-called barrier in Major League Baseball. There were no African-Americans in Major League Baseball and this man, this very serious Christian man named Branch Rickey, who was the general manager of the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers, decides that because of his faith, he needs to do something about this. And he says, I need to recruit an African-American player who's a great player, but who is not just a great player, who is someone of profound character. Uh, in fact, who is a man who will understand that the command of Jesus to turn the other cheek is not optional. So he recruits Jackie Robinson. And you want to talk about a secret. Nobody seems to know this story, which is why I'm so excited to put him in my book and to tell the story in my book. Jackie Robinson... 
uh, was a profound Christian. And Brand Tricky says, I have got to find someone who's willing to not fight back. Again, the, the real secret, it's not about being Canadian, it's about sacrifice. He sacrifices what every guy would say is something that's a legitimate thing to fight back. If somebody abuses you, calls you names, what they call Robinson, I wouldn't say on air, what they did to him, uh, physical attacks. He says, I will turn the other cheek. I will not fight back for the purpose of doing this noble thing, which is integrating Major League Baseball. So he sacrifices this, this right to fight back. Uh, and in fact, in the initial meeting with Branch Rickey, and this is what nobody seems to know, it's not in the movie, Branch Rickey grabs a book called The Life of Christ, and he opens it up to the passage in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus commands us to turn the other cheek. This is one of the seminal moments in civil rights history, and most people don't know that it's all about the words of Jesus Christ, openly shared by Branch Rickey, a Christian, with his protege, his, his new friend, Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson agrees to abide by the words of Jesus Christ, and this is part of the, the history uh, of the world, really. Uh, and if you think about it, uh, we need to know this history. So I hope you'll read the chapter on Jackie Robinson. Mm. Wow. Wow. Jackie Robinson would have never been able to do what he did if he did not have a man who loved him in Christ, Branch Rickey, a father figure, in that Jackie Robinson was empowered. He had a power beyond his own, and he had an intimacy with God. And in the demons, what he had to put up with, I mean, they lashed out at him. I mean, it would be things that you and I, as Eric Metaxas says, not only wouldn't uh, be said on uh, TV, but just in our lives in general, he had to put up with. He set boundaries. He did not allow. He did not create them. And he owned his life. He took charge of his life and did not allow somebody else. I want to finish with this, guys. Setting boundaries, uh, dealing with the demons in your life. Uh, four pieces to be aware of. First of all, you need help. We talk about that all the time. You need help. Go get help. Get some counseling. Get some help. Be a part of a team. Get help. Start facing your fears. Fear will take you out. It, it Demons eat fear for breakfast. You got to face your fear. Stand strong. It'll be hard even today. This day, stand strong and own your life. This is your life. I pray you'll have a good day, a day that you experience the Father's love, His power, and intimacy. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you uh, so much for the story of, of a father who loved his son enough to bring him to Jesus. Father, may we come to Jesus today. May we come to you uh, today. Uh, with our need. Help us in our unbelief. Thank you for our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, have a great week. Make it a great day. Hey, in Bill. Jesus. Bill, a couple of quick questions. Uh, I missed yep. what book, the, the Jackie Robinson story. What book was that? Yeah, uh, Eric Metaxas, Seven Men and Their Secret of Their Greatness.
it's on it's on your notes. If if you print out the notes, um, it's um, now let's see. I don't think it is on the notes. But anyway, it's uh, Seven Men and the Secret of Their Greatness by Eric Metaxas. That's the book. Okay. And the other, Great book. The other question was, uh, so I'm going to be coming to Deer Camp for the, only, yep. the, only the second time. Yep. Uh, I need to do a release form again, right? No, you do not. Okay, nope. good. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Phil. See you next week. All right. Thank you. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Jeffrey.